I mean, not right now, I don't think. Um, like I said, we've liked the progress that he's made, and um, you know, you get to a certain point of the year, and uh, you got to try to win every game. But right now, he's uh, you know, he's definitely given us a chance. I think today was just a couple bad pitches and a couple bad hitters in a row. But uh, right now, he's going to keep getting opportunities. Now, here's the thing, right? One of the reasons that Charlie Montoyo lost the Blue Jays clubhouse this year was, uh, and God love him for it, because I would have done the same damn thing, but he was awfully quick to throw pitchers under the bus, especially Yusei Kikuchi. I mean, I've said this time and again. He just got to the point where he had zero you-know-what left to give when it came to answering questions about Yusei Kikuchi. He wasn't good, and I'm tired of seeing it. That's basically basically, what he said every every fifth day. Every opportunity that he Mm -hmm. did. So, I mean... Charlie, in that instance, was guilty of telling truth. Now, John Schneider, John Schneider's the, the interim manager, and he knows he's got a, well, let's put it this way. When you follow somebody who's fired, it's generally good a good idea to look at what that person did and say, I'm not going to do that. So, you know, God love John Schneider, who will join yeah. us later on in the show for sticking up for his pitcher. But Kevin, I got to ask you the honest question. I mean, you think John was maybe throwing a little fertilizer think, out there? I think this is John. John's not changing. He's always been this way ever since I've known him. He's he's a good man. He he knows. I, I think the first part of what he was saying about you say Kikuchi working hard. We know that that he it's not because of lack of effort. It's just for whatever reason he's it's not, not very good. good. <laughs> like I and and good for John to not throw his player under the bus because all the things that we don't see off the field, John sees. Yep. So uh, good for him for doing that, but this is a get it done league. This is not the try league, and right now he ain't getting trying it done. the non-competitive pitches all the time. The one zero, the two zero, the two one counts. I could hit those. I mean, and his best pitch is eliminated, and that's sort of what you're seeing. And what do they do? They keep running him out there every five days. If you looked at the at the depth they have, they have none. Well, like, th- this is <laughs> zero. This is the issue. The Jays lost seven to four to the Baltimore Orioles last night. The Orioles, with their eyes in the wild card spot, got two more games left against the Jays. Alec Manoa is on the mound for the Jays tonight. But uh, you say Kikuchi, to his credit, gave the Jays five innings. He gave them innings. They weren't very good necessarily, but he gave them innings, which was needed considering the fact that they were down in the bullpen. Um, and you know, we'll talk about you say Kikuchi in a minute, but something we talked about in Blue Jays talk. Let's not let the Jays hitters off the hook here. Yes, it's hard. It is hard when you're buried early the way they were and when you have to play behind a guy like Kikuchi who can't hit throw the strike zone or can't fill the strike zone. It It's difficult. I get that. It can suck the life out of you. Back-to-back home run, Santander and Mountcastle. I get that. That's not easy to sit and watch, especially after you've turned a double play to hopefully help get your guy out of out of out of an inning. But Kevin, there there were there were some not very good at bats last night. And I think you you made the point it wasn't the approach that was the issue. They had pitches to hit and they didn't make good contact on it. Sure. I, Say Oscar know. Hernandez hitting into that double play, uh Bo Bichette ending the game in a double play. 
I think I think also you got to give Jordan Lyles credit. Like he pitched, he made a good pitch when he had to make it. Now in the fifth inning, to Oscar coming up with first and third, hitting in the double play. That's a cement mix and slider right down the middle. Now that for me is timing issue. That's a little out in front. Maybe that's trying to do too much. It's not an maybe approach issue though. Maybe that's trying to hit away from that that it? big okay. field in, in left field. I have no idea. I'm just by the way the swing looked. That's a pitch that normally this to Oscar that we've been seeing hammers that, and that's being hammered to right center. That was a little out and around. Uh, you know, the the Whit Merrifield at bat in the eighth inning, that's first and second with two outs. That's a four-seamer, but it's 99 down the middle. And me and you have been coming on this show forever, and people say, well, why do you need velocity, Jeff and Kevin? This is why. It's because you can get away with not locating at the best of your ability. And occasionally, you're not going to throw it where you want it to go. And because you've got 99 in the tank with a little bit of late movement to it, you can get away with that, and you get a ground ball, and it gets you out of an inning. That's the reason why. And in the ninth inning, same thing. Bo Bichette comes up first and second, hits into the double play. It's a 100-mile-an-hour fastball right down the middle. That's, that's what we've been talking about. Why is the Orioles somewhat in this thing? Is because they got arms to go to. Like it's it's simplified now. Even the, with the with the arm that they got rid of, they still have guys that can come out. What last night they had a lefty that they brought in to face Kevin Biggio that throws ninety six miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 not rocket science here. This is why you have this late in seasons where you know guys are. It's the dog days. Like you're trying to fight through it, and you know you may try and get a little extra back here as a hitter to try and catch up. Like Alejandro Kirk, you can see it. Like he's starting the hips early to get the head out in front of the plate. This is why you got velocity. This is when it plays late in seasons. And for me, this is why the Orioles are in this thing. They they got arms to go to. Like they got a lefty that throws really hard. They got a bunch of righties that they can run out there that if they don't have to locate all the time, they can get away with it with 99 and 102. I mean, the guy, the the last guy they threw was Batista's throwing 102 miles an hour. Jeff, like his hundred doesn't even look at it, 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 It's effortless and yeah. any tunnels to split finger thing. And if you're a hitter, and especially this is what I you get back to the balance of the yep. lineup for the Blue Jays. Is it's it's hard to say, okay, well, why didn't Bo Bichette hit a hundo in the right center field gap? Well, he's right-handed. You're trying to let that ball travel. You're trying to swing it a strike. And, oh, by the way, you have that much time to make up your mind whether it's a ball or strike, mechanically get sound, and try and get the head out in front of the plate to barrel up a 100. It's a lot to ask. And one of the reasons I think velocity is so important late in games is – When, especially when you get to the postseason, but during the regular season as well, you, know, you look at the look at the the batters you just spoke about where velocity made the difference. Yeah, Hernandez, not sorry, not Hernandez, Merrifield and Bichette. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be pinch hit for. Nope. That's why velocity is so important. There, there is no circumstance where John Schneider is going to pinch hit for Bo Bichette. Nope. There, there isn't. So. If you don't have to bother going lefty righty, if, you, if you've got a guy who's going to throw 102, you take your chances with that, and and that's that's why. Yes, it, I mean we have this argument all the time in baseball. Everybody says, well, the issue with baseball is everybody just falls in love with the radar gun, and you know what? I think that might be the case with younger pitchers, where you look at the radar gun, you fall in love with it. But there's nothing wrong with velocity at the end of the game. At some point, I, I think we almost use it we almost use a lack of velocity as an excuse, right? Well, we don't have guys that low hard, but we've got guys who spin it. We got guys with movement. That's fine. You know, Give me 102. If you're hitting off a guy and you don't really know that guy, the first thing you walk over and ask the hitting coach is how, how hard, hard do you throw. Yep. 
That, that There's right a reason, out the gate right? tells you how quickly and how soon you have to get it going. I need to get it going sooner to get in an athletic position, to get my front foot down to where I can give myself a chance to use the barrel. And because of high-octane velocity, going to get on you a little sooner, which makes you go outside the box and do something you don't want to do. And, again, you know, it, it was – they were an at-bat away from – making a serious game out of that. But again, you know, it's 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 sort of the you say Kikuchi thing, and then you see the balance of the lineup, mm-hmm. and other teams can match up against a bunch of right-handed hitters and not always have to make the perfect pitch. There's to get no out. shortage of right-handed velocity in the game. Right? There's no well, shortage well, of Well, there's not. There is on the Blue Jays team. Well, right. But... There, I mean, I hate to state the obvious, there but is it's true. A, I mean, again, we... Talk about the Baltimore Orioles. This bullpen was put together off the waiver wire. This, this is odds and ends, bits and pieces, scraps. And uh, you'd take this bullpen over the Jays' bullpen in a heartbeat. It makes your defense better when it's, you know, balls right at you or you're not putting the ball in play because of high-octane velocity and secondary pitches. And it, 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 it makes the manager look better. It makes the defense look better. It makes your team better. It gives your offense more confidence because now they know if they have to leave from about the sixth inning on, good chance let's, you're winning those. Let's go back and talk about Yusei Kikuchi a bit. Um, he threw strike one to eight of 22 batters. I thought Joe made an interesting point during the telecast, and I wanted to ask you about this because I I was puzzled about it myself. I would assume if you're Yusei Kikuchi or almost any pitcher, the first thing you want to do when you get into game is you want to establish your fastball. Okay. Right? That at-bat with Adley Rushman, second at-bat of the game, the walk, seven pitches, five sliders. I get Adley Rushman's not a, you know, he's not a bad hitter. But did you have an issue with that? Did you have an issue with the with with the fact that there, that to your mind that there wasn't enough that he wasn't throwing enough not, fastballs not, not early? Not for me. Again, I, I brought this up to you after the show, and I said that Hazel May had a conversation with Danny Jansen, and she asked him what makes you say Kikuchi good when he's good, and he says he simplifies it, he attacks, and he throws strike one. Well, we know he didn't throw strike one, but the attacking and the simplifying is different for him. It's a different conversation. He isn't simplifying. He a, isn't simplifying. Establish not, your not fastball. For, not for him, obviously. He has so many non-competitive arm side fastballs that how how is that possible? Like if you're catching him and you see that you're reaching across your body trying to catch a fastball, why would you continue to throw it? Yeah, that's yeah. Like it, it's just it's not working. So you're trying to simplify it enough to go that maybe if he throws enough of those sliders, maybe that'll get the release point because he's flying open early with his lower half, his arms playing catch up. And that's why you see the non-competitive. I mean, it's out of the hand. You could take it today at however old you are. You could take those pitches because that's how non-competitive they are. So if you're catching that and you're thinking to yourself, well, heck, I just caught two balls that aren't even close. But wh- so why would I, why would I continue to try and but throw didn't that? We, okay. Didn't we say that one of the things we wanted to see from Danny Jansen was forcing this dude to throw his fastball? That's all we talked about is how get that veteran behind the plate, put down number one, and you're throwing your fastball. And if I have to come out and talk to you in the first inning and say – I think a good catcher has to be one 
that can adapt. And you, when well, you're adapting and you see that, again, we, the, the plan just, going is because your best pitch is 95 or whatever it is. We spent all year. But what if it's not close? Well, we spent no, all year. So now what? We spent all We keep, keep throwing it when it ain't close? You well, can't find release points? What's we, the point? We spent all year talking about this. We spent all year talking about this. This is the thing we wanted to see. We wanted to see people, quote, unquote, force him to throw his fastball. Like, we can't have it both ways. Either you're going to do it and force him to throw his fastball or – you know you're gonna I, you're gonna I, throw I think, in you're gonna oh, Kevin yeah. you're, you're gonna every or you're, start, are you gonna or you're gonna throw in the towel every, after every, two batters absolutely not yeah. every every start for his simplifying and attacking is different it really it really is again I I'm the same boat you are because his best pitch is his fastball which will make his slider and his split change that much better but when it's non-competitive early in the game that's when you as a catcher go I know what the plan was but now you have to do a little adjusting to maybe. Because he has confidence in throwing his slider, and it's decently close, and it gives you a chance to be competitive until maybe he can find the release point. So now you're trying to be unpredictable and also get him back to what his best pitch is. It's a no-win situation. The home run he gave up. The the home run, yeah. The the home run he gave up to Mount Castle was on a slider. Look, I mean. We're having this argument, and the, the fact of the matter is... If it's both, not really if, an argument. No, it's not an argument. If both of us had our way, he wouldn't be anywhere near the rotation. But we'll talk to John Schneider about this. But As, as John Schneider said, he's going to keep running them out. They don't have any options. You know, we've looked at AAA. There's nothing down there. First, in, I mean, first, the, 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 there, there's you, you talk folks, about, folks, there's nothing at AAA. You talk, you talk about throwing fastballs. In the first inning... He walked two guys, gave up a three-run homer, threw 25 pitches, t- threw 12 strikes, faced six batters, threw one strike one. So if I'm yeah. catching that. That's fair. What am I doing? Yeah, I know your best pitch is a fastball. First inning, two walks, a three-run homer, 25 pitches, 12 strikes, one strike one to a batter. So out of six batters, you fell behind five of them. So if I'm hitting off of you, I know what your best pitch is. You're doing me a favor by throwing the the secondary pitches. But I know if I got a catcher back there who's somewhat smart and knows that you can't even come close throwing your fastball for a strike to get me out, why would I even look for it? So you know a good catcher's not going to throw those. He wants to throw it. He wants to push it and say, throw it to me. But if it's not close, it's non-competitive, and you're facing a good team who is now all of a sudden – won 15 out of their last 19 home games and won 22 out of their last 30 games. Like, you got to be good. Now it's about adding and subtracting and pitching ahead. And it's, boy, it's a, if I'm, if I'm sitting and watching this game and having the conversations I'm having with you on our show, you think about the conversations that Pete Walker's having and John Snyder and Danny Jansen and whoever else is trying to catch this guy. It's, I've, I'll say this, and I'll, I'll, I'll continue to say it. It's not always the catcher or the pitching coach who has to make the adjustment. Occasionally, it's got to be the guy standing on the mound and just goes, enough. Enough. It's I don't need that guy to tell me. I don't need that guy to tell me. It's up to me to find a lane, to find mechanics, and figure out how to be competitive to give the guy standing behind me a little bit of a break because you can see it. Like, you can just see it in their face after the first inning. You can see Bo and... Chapman and Biggio and Vlad, they're like. Here we go again. Yeah, it's impossible. Now, I'm not making excuses because their bats have to be better, and they know it. 
So you add pressure to their at-bats because of who's standing on the mound, and you know how many runs you have to score, which is a lot. So it's it's almost an impossible feat. But again, Teoscar it, and Bo come up to the plate for their first at-bats. They're down already 3 nothing, and they've been standing in the field picking their you-know-what because you say Kikuchi can't. It's tough. Can't find the strikes. It's tough. Uh, but w- we mentioned this. There, there, there are no options. Max Castillo was traded for Whit Merrifield. Max Castillo's off the table. Thomas Hatch, not an option. There, there's, there's nothing in AAA. And people will say, well, my God, go down to AAA and bring somebody up. There's got to be something better. No. no, there isn't anything better. Sean Anderson, Tom, Thomas Hatch, Anthony Kay, Casey Lawrence, Ricky Tiedemann, Jake bringing him up, Max Castillo, like you said. I mean, Ross Stripling would be the obvious choice. If he's healthy, now you could put you say wherever you wanted to put him. But that's not an option now. Yeah, that, and, and and this is the other thing that has to be said about Yusei Kikuchi as well. He's not going to be on your postseason roster, so it's not it's it's no not question. like that. This is not an issue in the playoffs. You know, we can have that discussion in the off season about what it says that the dude that you just gave three years and thirty six million dollars to isn't good enough to be on your postseason roster, and that you are the second team in as many seasons to look at this guy and go, I don't want him anywhere near my team. In 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 when the games matter, but even ha- having said that, you're still I mean, someone's got to make that start for the Blue Jays. Someone has to make that start for the Blue Jays, and you know Mitch White is in is 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 filling in for Stripling right now. Stripling comes back, maybe White fills that role, and a. Uh, you say Kikuchi. I, I mean, I wish that I, I, I wish the Jays had their version of Robida Island or something like that, where you could just stick a guy forever and just, you know, leave him there. But this is what you have, and I will give John Schneider credit for it. Makes if if I'm John, look, John Schneider knows, he knows what he's seeing, he knows what we're seeing, he knows what the opposing team no is. No question. He, he he knows all this. But it makes no sense for him to come out and say, you know what, you guys are right, he stinks. It, it, it makes no sense. So I'm crediting John Schneider for saying and doing what he has to Absolutely. do. Ultimately, the judgment on Yusei Kikuchi's contract, that's going to fall in Ross Atkins' lap. That's not going to fall in anybody else's lap. That's ultimately something Ross Atkins will have to answer to. My concern, and I've I've stated this time and again, is we know that this is a collaborative process. And I'm hoping this isn't one of those cases where everybody in the coaching staff wants somebody out there, wants them to pick somebody off off, somebody off the scrap heap, anybody off the scrap heap. And the general manager's going, no, 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 this is my guy. I invested all the money in this guy. We've got to send him out there. I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping that's not the case. But uh, we'll ask John Schneider. He'll join us uh, at, at, at 1030. And Dan O'Dowd and Ben McDonald will be along as well. Ben McDonald, former Major League pitcher, current current Orioles analyst. Uh, who will be the starters tonight? Alec Manoa, Kyle Bradish, tomorrow it's Jose Barrios and, and Dean Kramer. And there's a big fall off between what we're seeing out of Manoa and Gossman and what we're seeing out of Barrios and Kikuchi. This is the other thing that's impacting the Kikuchi issue is the fact that Jose Barrios has also been scuffed. Especially on the road. That homie's been really good. Right. Right. Well, let's but, but give him credit. Is, he, routines obviously are different. Mounds different. 
you know, how he pitches at home, he just feels more comfortable. It's obvious. So the the thing at the issue at home is you're exactly right. Like that's something he's gonna have to figure out. Like again, this this is I know an easy finger to point at would be the pitching coach. But I, 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 when I played baseball, you can't always rely on the coaches. Like the coaches are, they'll give you little hints on what you might be doing wrong to, to try and get it back on the tracks, but it's ultimately up to you to figure it out. This is, it really is. This is kind of a product of people watching too many NFL games and people confusing offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators with pitching coaches and hitting coaches. It's not the same thing. It, 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 it really isn't. It really isn't the same thing. Uh, you know, I will admit that one thing that happens with pitching coaches is they do, we've seen this throughout baseball, there does tend to be a cult that develops around a pitching coach. The idea that a pitching coach can correct anybody. The idea that because it works with one guy, it's going to work for all the guys. Well said. There, there just is. And it is the one position. You know how, how people say there's, the problem with this position is when things are going well, you get too much credit, and when things are going poorly, you get too much blame. That is the pitching coach. Yep. That is the pitching coach's position. Robbie Ray makes you a genius. You say Kikuchi makes you a guy that people think need a new pitching coach. Need a new pitching coach. It's not fair to Pete Walker. I'm a, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's not it's not fair to him to think that he, you know he's gonna come in and, and fix the the mental woes that you say Kikuchi because that's a lot of it. Like, you can see it. When he throws one non-competitive pitch and then he gets the begging thing where he throws it and it's two feet off the out of the strike zone and he's like, why ain't that a strike? Like, you can see it. You can actually I feel really, it. And it's, I really would like one of the home plate umpires one time to rip their mask off, walk out to him and say, you know what? Here's the thing, Sparky. Throw a strike. <laughs> throw, something near the, the, throw something near the strike zone before you expect me to give you anything on the edges. That really uh, frustrates me. Like, seriously. The frustrating whatever you, whatever sure. you may whatever you may think of umpire I mean I'm sorry you're you say Kikuchi you don't get a benefit of the doubt the benefit of the doubt you get is every second Thursday when your paycheck arrives but you don't get a benefit of the doubt from the home plate umpire because you haven't shown him you deserve it man did you think we'd spend as much time when they signed you say Kikuchi I know you came out of the gate right away and we were all Boy, Ross has got, you know, more depth, more depth, more depth. And you said, yeah, I don't think anybody else likes this guy. That doesn't matter. More depth, more depth, more <laughs> well, depth, more depth. Well, what we did say is it's better than, no offense to Thomas Hatch and Anthony Kay and, and Anderson and Lauren. It, it, we, that's what we said. We yeah. said it's better and than we that. And we were wrong. And we were wrong. <laughs> we were wrong. We were wrong. We were wrong. We were indeed Boy, wrong. that's hard to admit. That's hard to admit. Jeff. We were indeed wrong. And, and, and at some point, I know you're going to want me to admit that I'm wrong about Jose Barrios, but that's not happening. That's just not happening. John Schneider is manager of the Blue Jays. Dan O'Dowd is MLB network analyst, former MLB general manager. We have trivia tickets to give away to the August 16th game against the Baltimore Orioles. Ben McDonald, Baltimore Orioles analyst, former MLB pitcher, former number one pick, actually. Number one pick in the 1989 MLB awesome. draft will join us to talk about the Orioles who don't look now folks, but they're coming for your wild card spot. <laughs> the Orioles, they're coming for your wild card spot. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 the fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast.
Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Ailish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a guy you have never seen anybody have as much fun with a coffee order as we have with a coffee order. Like, you would think... Ah, we think we're trying to I've figure out how to. I've had three cups. I can't. I can't drink another one. I will pass out on this show. I only had one. You so get far. me fired up. I only had one so far. Three. I'm doing one arm push ups at like five fifteen. It's Blair and Barker for a a Tuesday, game two of the Blue Jays series against the Baltimore Orioles. I cannot believe the Baltimore Orioles are really good. <laughs> like. Everything you said that was awful about them, take it back. I take it all back. I'm just, I'm I'm happy that they're doing well without Buck Showalter, but Buck Showalter is doing okay with the Mets. So it's kind of like, I'm kind of screwed both ways there. Orioles doing well, Buck doing well. DeGrom will make anybody look good. But uh, yeah, I mean, the Orioles. What what did you say? What were they at home? What are they at home this year? They've won 15 out of the last 19 19 I want to ask you this uh, before I think John Schneider games above before, 500 at before home. John Schneider joins us. We've talked about the new configuration, like the new left field fence. Sure. So, does that, and, and and this is the Jays' first trip in there. Does that have any impact on their approach? Like when you go when you go to a ballpark that you you've known so well, and then they've changed it. Does that really have an impact on? On what a hitter does. Ask Baltimore. Baltimore's thirty-two and twenty-one at home. So absolutely, but, it does. It, it, it does it hurt a, a a visiting team who has a bunch of right-handed hitters who like to pull homers. No question. Okay. Well, let's uh, bring in our let's bring in John Schneider. He's the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, and yes, we're going to ask him about Yusei Kikuchi. <laughs> but I want to ask, uh, and John, thank you very much for joining us today. I want to talk about. That because it's the it's the Jays' first game at Camden Yards since they've you know they've they've done what they're going what what they did with the left field with the left field wall and and with left field with the with the depth of left field it's a it's a ballpark that most of these guys have played in and gotten used to seeing from one you know viewing viewing it in one way does that change things dramatically for guys when they're standing at the plate John just that whole spatial thing that uh, this is a different park. Uh, yeah, morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, I, it definitely looks different. You know, the first time we've seen it, obviously. Um, I don't think it really changes the approach. I don't think it should change the approach uh, from our guys, but it definitely it just looks very, very different than what you know we're used to here at Camden Yards. So approach stayed the same. I think in the innings that we had a couple hits back to back to back or strung a few base runners together, we were kind of through the middle of the field a little bit more. Um, and hopefully we can kind of do more of that today and going forward. John, you th- you throw a lot of batting practice. When you were throwing batting practice there yesterday, was there any guy hit a ball? Because, you know, I, you, I was the same way. Whenever I'd hit a ball that I thought would leave the yard, I would watch it. And then the, the guy throwing the ball would watch it. Was there a, much of that? And was there any, you know, wow, that didn't go out? Uh, there's a little bit of that just to kind of gauge out what, sure. what's going to go and what's not, I think, early on. But, 
there were maybe a handful that, you know, you said, okay, yeah, that's gone last year and not this year. Um, but it, it was, you know, kind of business as usual, but it's, it's definitely different. I mean, it's, it's a long way out there in left center. Now, we heard uh, your post-game comments on Yusei Kikuchi, and Kevin and I were talking about this in the post-game show and also today. I mean, we, we realized that, first of all, there aren't a lot of teams that have eight or nine major league starting pitchers available. There, I mean, there is an issue with depth. A lot of teams have that issue. What are you seeing, though, from Yusei Kikuchi that gives you, that, that gives you hope that, that this is – that you can use this guy in August and September, and he's going to give you a chance at least. Well, I mean, the stuff for one, and the velo when it's there, he's got to, he's got to just you know try to limit the the tough inning. You know, I think it's been traditionally early on in the game, and if he can get through that, you know, I thought that you know, barring a couple pitches or a couple back to back hitters, he he did well yesterday, and. You know, with a really taxed bullpen, he got into the sixth and gave us some length. Was it ideal? No. He'd be the first to tell you it, it wasn't ideal from the, from the start. But, I mean, when he's on, it's really good stuff. You know, it's swing and miss stuff. And uh, he's going to keep getting his opportunities and, you know, hopefully just find a way to get a little bit more consistent with the uh, with the stuff being in the zone. John, John, the 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 fastball command is a big deal, right? It's that's his best yeah. pitch. And whenever you're a catcher and you have the game plan, like it's not it's the obvious thing. A hitter knows it. People that are watching the Blue Jays play when he's pitching, they know what he wants to do. And the game plan is throw it till you can't throw it anymore. But when you see non competitive competitive fastballs like he throws, especially early in games, is it a hard thing for a catcher to go, I know what the plan is, and I know what his best pitch is, but how do I keep doubling up on this thing if he can't throw it for a strike? Is it a hard adjustment to go away from it early in a game? Good question, and I think that, you know, it's not it, it's not too hard. I think Jano does a really good job of trying to stay diligent with it, and, you know, there is a time where you say, okay, we're not going to just sit here and beat a dead horse, but let's make an adjustment, but you also trust the fact that adjustments will be made. So it is not ideal when you're not in the zone with it, and then when you are, you're behind in count. So I think just getting in the zone earlier in count is going to be key for him. And, you know, I think it's a credit to Jano to, you know, he's sticking with the game plan and making adjustments when needed. But it is, uh, yeah, it's tough when you're behind in the count. So I think you say would be the first to tell you, yeah, man, if I'm in the zone earlier, he's he's going to fare a lot better. So that's the hope that's going forward. Now, this is, uh, about, I guess, about five games or so since uh, the trade deadline, a little longer than that. But you, you've got Zach Pop. You've got Anthony Bass now. Have you, in your mind, John, uh, got roles pretty much figured out now, not just for those guys, but for other guys in the bullpen as well? And and if, if, if you do, how do you go about, uh, because I know you've talked about, you know, you want to get matchups, you want sort of a three-batter pocket and all this for guys. How do you go about balancing your preconceived idea about what a guy's role should be or what you want it to be with having to react to the here and now, right? If a guy just doesn't have it, it doesn't matter if you wanted this guy for three batters, this guy for three batters, and boom, Jordan Romano finishes the game. If it doesn't, if it, if it ain't working, you're going to have to change things. Have you kind of got that order figured out now? Yeah, I think so, and I think you kind of have your plan going in, and you always have a plan B or a contingency plan if things don't go as planned. Um, I think the best way to plan it is, you know, to to get through the certain part of the order with certain guys, and that's what you're hoping, and you're 
wanting to put guys in spots to to have success to do that. But if it doesn't work out, then yeah, you have your fallback plan. But the guys that we acquired, I think, can do a combination of both, whether it's Anthony or Zach. Um, you know, Zach is just a ground ball machine, so it's nice to kind of have that in your back pocket if you need a, a ground ball double play with a runner on base. Anthony can strike somebody out with that slider uh, or his fastball. So not that I don't think anyone's really pigeonholed into roles, but I think you're just looking for opportunities to use their, to use their skills. Um, however that falls into place each night is how they're going to be used. From where you're standing, have you seen a difference from the way Jose Barrios looks at home starts and away starts? No. And I know the splits are kind of weird, but it's, uh, I don't see much different, you know, anything like physically, mechanically. It's, uh, I think that's just one of those weird, uh, weird splits when he's at home and he's on the road, but it's nothing routine. I mean, routine wise, everything is the same. And, um, it's been a little bit of tough luck on the road. What you, what you think of Mitch White? I thought he's, I thought he did a great job. I thought it was an awesome outing to build off of, um, just, locating a lot of his pitches, landing his breaking ball, and then I think, if anything, maybe he could have gotten a little bit deeper in that outing if he had uh, a little bit more of a chase breaking ball in certain counts, but um, kind of keep his pitch count a little bit lower. But I thought he did a great job against a tough lineup to navigate in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, he's a valuable piece to have, a guy that you can put right in the rotation. And, um, and I thought he did really well. Do you think the league has made an adjustment offensively to Santiago Espinal? Possibly. I think, you know, if you look at the, where he is in the in our batting order and where he was in the first half of the year, he was probably the guy that uh, I don't want to say teams overlooked because he's a major league hitter, but probably paid more attention to some guys around him. And um, I think right now it's, you know, the course of the season, yeah, I'm sure the league has made an adjustment. He's in the process of making that adjustment back. So he's swinging at the right pitches still, which is a good thing. He's not having much results lately. Um so, yeah, you know how it is. It's that, it's that cat and mouse game between league and hitter, and uh, I think he's right in the middle of, of adjusting back to what they're doing. John, what's your job while a kid is going through what he's going through? It's, you know, it's early in his career. You're going to have bumps in the road. What's your job in all this? Talk to him. Um, you know, make sure he's doing good. Make sure the work is good and consistent. And, you know, you never want a player to to get complacent with where they with where they have been and, by no means has has SB been that way. He's been the same guy every day. Um, and just let him know that the opportunities are going to continue to come, you know? So it's, are we going to protect him a little bit? Absolutely. From some really tough matchups when you have guys like Biggio that are swinging the bat well, but you know, just staying in touch with them and making sure that his, his mindset is where it should be and the work is where it should be. And just trusting the results are going to come. Watching some of Rymel Tapia's at bats last night, and 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 a couple of the balls that he managed to that he managed to make contact with, has he uh, has he been an even better acquisition for this team than you may have thought, John, when 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 they brought him over? Because boy, he seems to be in he seems to be in the middle of a lot of good things offensively. Yeah, I mean, we knew we knew his his skill set coming over and the contact ability and. Um, he's been awesome. I mean, over the last month or so, I mean, you can't really say enough about what he's done, whether it's getting on base or driving guys in. Um, he's just been a really good complement to a lineup that we already had. So trying to really just keep him involved and get him in as much as we can. And, uh, yeah, you just can't really say enough about how well he's done. It's been great.
Yeah, you're you're the perfect guy to ask this because you used to be a catcher. Now Alejandro Kirk is asked to do a lot offensively, hit in the middle of the order, be a run producer, right? Be an aircraft carrier, but also on the flip side of that, get one of the best pitchers that you have through some tough spots of of a season. How tough has it been for him to just make adjustments and and try and be the guy on both sides of the ball? It's a lot, yeah. It's a lot for anyone, especially for a young guy who's you know, really going through a first full season, but he's been, you know, he's been outstanding in terms of digesting game plans with Pete and with, with Matt Bushman and the pitchers and earning the pitchers trust. He's been, you know, more than what we could have, <clears throat> excuse me, what we could have hoped for at this point from a, from a defensive standpoint and um, hitting in the middle of the order. You know, I think that that's, you know, his on base skills, his, the way, he, how hard he hits the ball. He's just really, a unique combination of both damage and uh, and on base. So the fact that he's doing it doing it um, really well on both sides of the ball speaks volumes to him, and he's kind of really settled into a uh, a really pretty comfortable spot um, being that kind of guy on both sides of the ball. John, we're gonna let you scoot. Appreciate you doing this, man. Thanks so much. Go get him. Thanks a lot. Good luck. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. John Schneider, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, and while John was on the air, a little bit of breaking news from the Boston Red Sox. No pun intended. Chris Sale is done for the year. He underwent a he underwent surgery for a right wrist fracture. I'm not laughing, but he broke his wrist riding a bicycle. So during a bicycle accident on Saturday, he will miss the remainder of the 2022 season. Yeah, I don't I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, there are years where I mean it's just I was gonna say it's just not your year, but Chris Sale's year and then the Boston Red Sox year is 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 just beyond the pale. It's just beyond. I the think pale. they probably can't wait till twenty twenty two is over. <laughs> I, I, the quicker the better. I am. I am. <laughs> yeah. I, am I am with you one hundred percent. Clean slate. Chris Sale fracturing his wrist, riding a bicycle. Anything, John? I know we'll we'll put a bow mm. on what John said. Any, anything yep. that John said surprises you stands out to you uh not really no and i think we're hearing why we're hearing why so many people around the organization uh, for a while now have have thought that he would be have thought that and not just this organization because he there are other people preceding mark and ross who like john as well who who um uh, who, who thought that at some point this guy was going to be uh, a major league manager? I, I, I really do think that as you've been saying for three or four years, the ability to communicate is an art. It's of utmost importance, and you know maybe the fact that. I'm used as a reporter to being around a team on a day-to-day basis as a newspaper reporter. And what you, what I thought as being a good, an ability to communicate with people, it's a little different than when you're, you step back a little, a little bit and you see a different, you see different things. And you really do get the sense that, that John, uh, that John Schneider understands that he, Everything he says, especially since he took over from a manager halfway through the year, 
there's a certain amount of pressure on him to get it right. There's a certain amount of pressure on him to do things differently than Charlie Montoyo, but at the same time, try to keep some sort of stability and try to keep stuff afloat. And that's why I, I you know, work gets performed. You have to ask the manager about a pitcher who isn't very good right now, which is, you say, Kikuchi. And the manager can answer it two ways, three ways, actually. One, no comment, which is like saying, yeah, the guy stinks. What do you want me to say? Two, bury him, which is great for the media. But if I'm a pitcher, I don't want that. Or three, essentially say, look, we are going to keep sending him. I mean, what John is, John is essentially agreeing. He's saying there are no other options. But I'm not going to come out and say there are no other options. I'm going to say that this is our guy and we're going to keep sending him out there. And a couple of back, back-to-back back ad-bats hurt him. He did get give him five innings. So I'm not surprised by that. I wouldn't, if it's me, I probably would be approaching it the same way. I just, I don't think you can afford more than anything as a manager or a coach. I think you have to really, you have to manage your clubhouse. You have to manage your personnel. And it's an easy enough game. And you've talked about this. It's an easy enough game for splits to occur because you're playing every day. And if, man, if you're 0 for 14, you you're not going to be in a good mood. I don't, even if the team has won three in a row and you're 0 for 14, you're not going to be in a good mood. It's really easy for a baseball clubhouse to go pear-shaped because every day you see the same guys doing the same thing and everything's great when you're winning and everything stinks when you're really, really bad. And it's finding that middle ground that is so important for a manager. And John is really, first impressions are he's really, really good the at fi- that. There's a fine line between being a good communicator and being your boss. And also in being a BS Sub, artist. That's a big deal. Like you got to, you got to, I've always said this, at, at being a good manager, there has to be a little fear. It's got to be a little bit of that. Do I, do I go hang out with him? Do I go to his office? Yeah. Or do I really not want to hear what he has to say? Like there's got to be a little fine line there between knowing who the boss is. And I just, the feel I get, the people I talk to, there's no question they know who the boss is on that yeah. team now. And it's John Snyder. Like, there's no question. You know, he's buddy. He's going to give you handshakes. He's going to have your back. He will say it the way he should be saying it. You say Kikuchi. It's very easy for him to come, just come out and quite frankly say, this dude stinks. He shouldn't be starting for us. But that's not his job. It's not the way he's supposed to say it. He's going to say it in the way he's, that he's going to give his team the idea that he will always have their backs, no matter what. I'm always going to be the guy that's there for you. And if I have to be the guy behind closed doors to say, man, I, I got your back, but you're going to have to do a little something better. Like you're going to have to step it up a little. He just, he's got that, he's got that way. And I've known that since I play, I played with him. I've known him, you know, I, I've known him better than most people. And uh, he is the way he says he is. Not going to change behind closed doors. And I just think he, for me, he's always been the right guy. He, for me, has always been the obvious choice. Now, they made their choice, and they went with that certain guy. But now I just think they have the right guy. Now it's time to go out there and perform at the highest level and do the things and win baseball games that they're supposed to be winning. And I I just think right now they've taken care of that part of it. 
Now you just sort of got to try and fill in all the blanks. I think John has done what he can do with the lineup. I'm with you. That's one thing that really sticks out to me is the fact that we have seen, and this is going to sound funny because, of course, one of the criticisms about John Gibbons was his lineup a lot of times. And managers do get criticized for moving the lineup around and not having stability. But I think there is, you talk about a fine balance. There's a fine balance between sticking with guys and making changes when it isn't working and doing so in a way that doesn't make it seem as if you're penalizing somebody. And that's what John has done. Yeah, he's put in a tough spot. No George Springer, Alejandro Kirk, who's hitting third for you. You got to be careful with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. That's sort of the same way. The you got a DH. You got to play first. Like the, you got to be careful with a lot of your best players, which is yeah. not the easiest thing to do. The one aspect that of the lineup that I'm a little uncertain of is Kirk in the third spot. I it just it it's it's a tailor made double play. And I don't like using the phrase base path clogger because I think it's unfair. It's unfair to a guy, but there are other guys you would rather have in first base with Teoscar and, and, and Bo coming up somebody who's going to be able to get the third base on just about every single. Yeah. We talk about the depth, and, and I understand we, well, you, we, you we, can't, you can't have everything. We talk I about the it. depth of, of the rotation. This just seems like this is what they got. I'm going to try and put the best hitters I got up front and I'm going to live and die with it. Like it's, that's why they move Bo down a little bit because Teoscar right now is hotter than Bo. You'd rather have Teoscar getting one more at bat than you would Bo. Say it like it is. It's a fact. This is why you do it. Why do you think they move Vladdy up to the two spots? You'd rather have Vladdy coming up more times than you would Bo. The George Springer thing hurts. You really have no idea what you're going to get and when you're going to get it. And you're trying to fill in the blank there. Who, For me, Tapia, I like Tapia there. I like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. there. Whit Merrifield, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I know he's been there and done it before, but he's been there and done it before in Kansas City. It's different. Well, Gurriel didn't play last night, uh, and but I am with you. I, I like having I, do I like having Gurriel up there. And you know, maybe Tapia is, Tapia is an option as well, but... I like there's there's so much that I like about the bottom of this order when you have Tapia, Jansen, and Espinal, or Tapia, Bidge, whatever the combination is. That bottom third of the order, there's something about that bottom third that I think sets the table well for the top of the lineup. You're gonna see a lot of pitches a lot of the time. Your chances are Toppy is going to be in base, um, but but yeah, I, I Merrifield leading off. Uh, I a lot, mean, a lot of the times it comes back around to a couple of guys: your cleanup hitter and your number five hitter. Like last night, Bo came up a couple of times. Teoscar came up one time. You need those guys to do things, and they got to be not just things; they got to be special things, and. They have to get big hits and, and you know, help carry your team to the goal that they want to get to. And and we talk pressure. Pressure can be handled in, in, in different ways. And I think you're, you're going to see maybe guys gripping bats tighter. And 
We're gonna we're gonna find out just how good these guys are down the stretch here. Because no George Springer, but George Springer. Let's be honest. Was paid 150 large for August, end of August, September, and October. Quite that basically that's it. Like he was he was brought here to help a young team that hadn't really been there consistently, and he has helped them get right, through let, tough times in big situations. Let me ask you, and this. he's not there now. Let me ask you this: He's on the IL now. The Jays fall out of, they're not going to be out of the wild card race, but the Jays find themselves a game out of the wild card Mm -hmm. in another couple of weeks or another week, two games out, whatever. Do you rush George Springer back based on where you are in the standings? In other words, if the Jays retain the wild, the the first wild card spot, does that buy more time for George Springer? You would have to see him hit by hitting. I, if he if he looks like he can swing through a pitch and not show that that thing is just hurting so bad that his next couple of swings are not going to be as good as the swing he took when he when he looked bad, then I I just I I don't I'm not sure that's the right answer. I don't I don't think I don't think there's an answer to your question. Like he's probably not going to be the solution to all their their problems, but he has to be healthier. And I, I'm, I'm just not. I thought the, the, the that issue that he has. I thought that was the only thing way you fix that surgery. Giving him 15 days off is going to help. It's not going to hide the fact that when he comes back, he still has that issue. So I, don't, I just don't know. I don't know what this does for him. Giving the time off is that what's going to help? I thought surgery helped, and that's the only thing that would help. So I don't. I don't know what you're ever going to get from him until he actually gets rid of that and he can rehab and and fix it and. There's other guys. Uh, the, the the story here is their rotation, the three guys, the, Jose Barrios is going to have to be much better, period, much better. Their bullpen has to be really good. That starts with their closer. When he gets the ball with a safe situation, lights out. That has to be good. And somebody in the middle of that order has to get super hot, hot whether that's Kirky, whether that's Teoscar, whether that's Bo Bichette, somebody. Mm. So pick up the slack. Dan O'Dowd is MLB network analyst. He is a former MLB general manager. He'll join us at the top of the hour. Ben McDonald, Orioles analyst. We've also got tickets for an August 16th game or for the August 16th game against the Baltimore Orioles. We'll uh, get around to that with our daily trivia question. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet Radio Network, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.